Well, I've just decided that the preach is often God's way of speaking to our minds what he was already speaking through the worship. So you're kind of getting it second time around. It's encouraging when you hear things. John talking about the boundaries are unending. God can take us. We have nothing to fear in the journey that we go. Um, Monica talking about the power to change. Oh, I can't go. I'm not going to go there. It broke me, Monica. I can't go there. The power of prayer. We'll catch up with that in a minute. And the other things that came, and I can't recall them all now, but um, God is speaking, and that's a wonderful thing. So I'm going to pray and um, look at the time. Half 11, okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you work with feeble human beings who really don't get it. (laughs) But Father, thank you that you open our eyes. And this morning we're asking you to open our eyes to more. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we open the windows and doors of our souls and beings to you to come and breathe anew. And uh, ignite us, Lord. Would you carry the words I speak, Father, and let them mean something. Let them bring faith. Let them paint a picture that can be seen and run with, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. So, in my zeal, I grabbed Mark metaphorically and said, Mark, 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 I have to preach, I have to preach, I have to preach next Sunday. Uh, Well, okay, well, let's look at the... um, the schedule. Um, So, a number of weeks further down the line, there's a slot. So, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we have zeal, and then it kind of peters out a bit, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I've got to stoke the engines again, and God help me, and I've been through a load of stuff, and God, I need to refocus. That's the story of our lives often, isn't it? And I'm speaking to you today, to you today, um, at a juncture, if you like, that we are at, at the moment, at this season and time of our history as a fellowship. And as a leadership team, we have been reflecting and seeking God about our past and our future and the way forward and how we do that. And what what is the Lord, the Holy Spirit, saying to us? How can we consolidate where we are and move on? We're small in numbers and we've shrunk And that makes you think, well, hang on, what's going on? We need to evaluate and and really gather in what is the essence of who we are and what God is wanting for us. We are challenged financially. We're challenged in terms of growth. We're challenged in terms of people, resources, and so on. But nothing is beyond God and his plans for us, which is the exciting thing. So today, this word, I hope, is a a word into our time, space, world, to be corny, where we're at now on our journey. So firstly, I want to touch touch upon the principles uh, of maintaining and extending. Okay, there are some principles here. And the difference between them. Now, maintaining is what we have to do to keep things up to speed. Every household has to do this to stay afloat. Sure, we all know. Do the dishes, do the washing, cut the grass, do the shopping, and then every so often there's the bigger jobs. 
like paint the fence, prune the bushes, fix the roof, paint the windows if you've not got UPVC, and so on. And it takes time and energy and organization. But when you want to extend, that takes a whole load more on top. So just wave at me if anybody has had major work done on their house at any point. Yeah. I'm sure I don't need to scratch very far to find the memories that it left. The dust that you might still be coming across. It takes a whole load more of commitment, doesn't it, to extend. And a lot of mess. You have to keep to timescales. Even when you feel worn out and you don't want to move from your armchair. But you do it because you made a plan and you made a commitment to achieve something. And you keep going through the mess, through the frustration, maybe even pain. And you bang your thumb with the hammer. Because you know in the end, it'll yield results. Something better for everyone. So why am I saying this? Well, like I've said, we stand at a juncture as a body. And we need to recognize we need to grow. In fact, it's not actually a need, it's a command. And grow not just numerically, but spiritually, financially, influentially, and a new word in the English language, impactly. He wants us to have a greater impact in our lives. He wants us to grow in worship, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to grow in mission, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I don't want us to be narrow-minded about it. Growth is unlimited in God, as John was re reminding us. It's God's plan and design, actually. It's his nature. But it will cost. Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We're part of that. And 11.9, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I don't know if you knew, but the waters actually cover all the sea. It's surprising, but it's true. If you want to find sea, you'll find there's water all over it. It's pretty amazing. And that's God's intent and plan. He wants to fill the entire world, universe, if we move to other planets, with the knowledge of Jesus, his son, and the redemption he brought. Ooh, bring it on. You know, it's a dead cert plan for the earth. But what isn't a dead cert is, will I play a part in it? We're going to look at Daniel, because I've been reading through, I've been reading through the Bible. And I was in Daniel a few weeks ago. It was quite timely because um, Ian Russell was up when I was in Daniel. That was quite helpful because he was talking about end-time prophecies and all that sort of stuff. So if you have a Bible, can you wave it at me and show me that you're a good app person? All right, all these phones. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll get there. I just love paper. I love, you'll never, ever move on from books. But we'll just have extras as well. Right, Daniel. I was just really taken with this, and I just thought, well, it's a, nice, it's a nice thing, I'll just bring it. Chapter 7 in Daniel. 
Uh, if you don't know anything about Daniel, I'll give you a little bit of a background. He's quite an amazing guy. He had these incredible visitations from God and saw amazing visions that shook him. I mean, literally shook him to the core. He didn't know what was going on. He was terrified by some of them. He had dreams as well. And God used him to foretell the future, the unveiling of empires rising and falling. And phenomenal vision, prophetic to the future, what will happen. Amazing. Uh, I'm not going to go on off another tangent, but I'm going to read from verse 23 as Daniel unfolds God speaking to him. And there's a reason for it when we get to the end of this part. Thus he said, the fourth beast, this is God speaking. Um, I think, well, yeah. A fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms. And he shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Uh, I just want to point out that the majority of biblical scholars believe this has happened. Don't be scared by hearing this, okay? The, that period of time has passed. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. But the court shall be seated... And they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. That is a most profound passage. Okay, if you didn't understand it, don't worry. The point is, I'm trying to say that empires rose and fall, fell. The Roman Empire, Alexander the Great, I mean, he and the Roman Empire, they took over massive areas of Europe and ruled with a rod of iron. But they crumbled. And then it's saying in the closing passage here, the closing verse, then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole of heaven shall be given to the saints of the Most High. Can I ask you a question? Who, who are the saints of the Most High? Thank you, Ben. Absolutely. If you've received Jesus into your heart, you are a saint of the Most High. The kingdom has been given to you. To you. Kingdom. Think of Alexander the Great. He was the top of his empire. He had a kingdom. The kingdom has been given to you, John Barge, you, Jeff Madeley, etc. I won't embarrass people much. That is incredible. It's awesome. And the question I'm asking us today is, what am I, what are we doing about that? I want us to jump into Romans 8. Because there's another little bit I want us to pull out here. Um, chapter 8, verse 19 and to 22. I love this. I often come back to it. And it's a little bit wordy, so bear with it. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. 
I'm pointing at them. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty through that door of the sons of God. We sang it today. We have been set free. They're not idle words. It's truth. And we need to apprehend it, don't we? We all have areas where we struggle. But the truth is the truth. And we have been set free. And Jesus said, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's such a wonderful thing. We're constantly in that unfolding liberty, increasing revelation in our lives. And I just want to expand a little bit about that passage. Um, was it saying groaning somewhere? The whole of creation groaning, in earnest expectation. The word in Greek, you don't really need to know it, but basically where it says earnest expectation, okay, it's a literal translation would be shrieking. Can you imagine that? The whole of creation, if we could tune in and hear it, is shrieking, crying, saying, come on, sons of God, come forth, know who you are, come on, creation's crying, where, oh, where are the sons of God? Rise up, sons of God, show yourselves, come forth into the earth, rise up in the strength and power of the Christ man. Come forth, O sons of God. You know, I love those kind of animation movies that, that just break the bounds of the natural realm. And, and you can just imagine some animation of this. The trees crying out, the, the flowers, the plants, the rocks, the creation just speaking forth. A, a, come on, guys. Yeah? You can see I've got a vivid imagination, you know, and uh, you're allowed to say amen and I agree and I'm with you if you really want to. But you know what? This kingdom has been given to us. When I read that passage in Daniel, it just made me think, we are the rulers in this age. Now, you might think I'm crazy, but we are the influencers in our day. We are the ones who will really bring real change. Look back, Shaftesbury, Bernardo, Wilberforce. They were believers. They acted from what they knew of the word. And we know far more in Revelation. And we are in an era, I'm just going off a tangent here. We are in a new day where new Shaftesbury's and Bernardo's and and so on, of society are rising up. And we won't recognize them yet because they won't look like them. They're going to be radical. They're going to be different. They're going to be, they won't fit in. Ben Jones, I'm encouraging you. Keep going. And there may be more amongst us. And if you will have it, you can be one of these. Or maybe you can be part of a new thing. Salvation Army. We've, we've got the fruit amongst us and Hannah carries that baton of that fire from William Booth. You know, she'll fight for justice. 
That's what William Booth carried. He wanted to see change. He wanted to... You see people, don't you? You're driving down the road and you just think, they are so wrecked by sin. Robbed. And I think, God, how can I reach these people? How can I do this? How? It's too big. Yes, it is too big. But God wants us to come to the place to say, but God. He's looking for someone. It's all it takes. A person. A body. You know, Joe Bloggs down the street thinks that he has a vote and he can change things through democracy. Well, I suppose there's an element of truth in that, but it's actually through the church. And when I say that, don't just sort of think, oh, the church. By that, I mean people like you and me. We are the church. And we change things through prayer and action as we cooperate with heaven. And we are executives of God's will on earth. You know, a solicitor is an executor of somebody's will. When somebody dies, they open it up and they start to read out. And so and so, so and so will get so many thousand. So and so, so and so will get so many. And so and so, so and so will get the house. And so and so, so. And then there's this argument, isn't it? Well, that's not fair. Why did they leave me out of the will? That's not what you want. Anyway, but we have God's will here. The last will and testament of Jesus was, go and make disciples. And lo, I'll be with you everywhere. Wherever you go. And more besides. There was lots of small print, actually. And it's really good reading. And you don't need a magnifying glass to read it. Unless you're getting older. But anyway, won't go there. So as we cooperate with heaven, we can execute his will. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, God says. And when we pray, your will be done, that's what we're praying. Your will, Lord, we're asking. And you know what? We cannot, sorry, camera, if I keep going off screen, forgive me, as long as you can hear me. I've lost my train of thought now. Where was I? Just remind me, just keep you on your toes, what I've been saying. If we're willing. What was the rest? <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm sorry. I do this all the time. But anyway, must be my age. Yeah. When you pray, your will be done. You cannot underestimate the power of the simplest prayer from a believing heart. Even if you're not, if you're crying out to God, believer or not, if, if you can handle that theology, you're almost, you're praying, you're believing, aren't you? You're saying, God, if you're out there, help me. God will respond. God will take anything because he wants people saved. Last week, it was a joy to have Ian Rayner back with us, partly because he's a really good mate of mine. But do you know what? His grandma, who really didn't know very much about God, the Bible, or anything much, used to pray for him every day, and she would say, and God bless Ian. And God bless Ian. And God bless Ian. And God bless Ian in that bedsit that was squalid and foul. And he was stick thin as I am because he was on so much heroin. 
when he was desperate. And then God took Steve Blacker to befriend him in his lunch hour, where he sold the big issue. And hounded and hounded him to invite him to an alpha. And he used to come to the alpha and fall asleep. And then got so embarrassed he wouldn't go back. Because he was gouching out on so much gear. But Steve then invited him to this evangelistic event we had. And I was thinking about this earlier on this morning. I took the whole week off work to do evangelism. That's kind of cost, isn't it? And uh, we went out to the university. It was just me and Steve and uh, three others from a Go team, gospel outreach team that we used to have, who were placed with us for a week. So there was time and energy invested. There was prayer and so on. And I thought, right, God, I'm going to pray and fast for three days. I'm going to pray because I want to see something to happen, God. And I couldn't make the three days. I was so hungry. God, I'm so hungry. But God, and I was praying, God, God, I just really want you to. I just reached the point and said, God, whatever, just do something. And I'm going to have something to eat because I'm so hungry. And my mind was all over the place. I was, you know, blood sugar's low. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I just didn't know. I was coming and going. I felt God was a million miles away. And then I came out on the. Was it the Friday evening? I can't remember. Friday evening or Saturday evening. I just heard God's Spirit say, I'm going to use you tonight. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm open. Came in here. Steve Blacker said, oh, Stu, come over here. I just want to introduce Ian to you. All right, hi, hi. And obviously Ian told us the rest of the story last week. So if you missed last week, you can tune in. Um, there's a process in all of that. That's the point I'm trying to say. There are links and connections and pieces of a jigsaw. We are piece of the pieces of the jigsaw, aren't we? We need to participate and cooperate and, and do our bit. Now then, looking at the time, you've been very patient, and I'll try and race through. Anybody dying for coffee? You can be excused and go and get one. Not that I think it's ready. Okay. Earlier in this year, during the worship, you might have remembered, um, I felt the Lord say to me that the lampstand has been contested. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Um, but I came up and shared it. And it, I started thinking about it. You know, sometimes God says something and actually he's wanting to unfold things and take some more time to think about what is it you're actually trying to say. And I believed he was referring to this fellowship and he meant that we'd been through a time of sifting or battle where our very existence as a community of God's people in the city was targeted for erasing. Not by the Lord, I hasten to add. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It made me think of that, of the church in, in Revelation. Uh, let's just quickly turn to it, Revelation 2. This is when I wish I had tabs. <clears throat> I will get there. It's all stuck together. Revelation 2. John has a revelation and Jesus speaks. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, 
I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you can't bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and aren't, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. That's a scary thing to hear, isn't it? Challenging. But I believe God's heart is an encouraging one. He wants to lift us up. He wants to take us forward. He wants to work with us. The lampstand holds the fire. And it represents the presence of God. That is what we're about. We carry the presence of God. The enemy hates it. He wants to snuff it out. He wants to fragment us. He wants to divide. He wants to separate us from each other. Because together we become that holy conflagration. That He wants to move through us as a corporate body. And I also just want to point out that I'm not saying that it's God's desire to ever take his Holy Spirit from us. He wants to build with us. He wants to build a home with us, full stop. That's his heart. But the point I'm making is, we have been through something and maybe are still going through, and there is a point of coming out to the other side. And also, I believe that when you're going through something, you start to value things that have been challenged or things that have been removed. You actually begin to value something more, don't you? If it's gone, you think, wow, I really wish we had. Or do you know, I I really appreciate this particular thing now or this particular person or, or whatever it might be. You cherish things more. And so I believe it's it's now time to build with greater insight and commitment and understanding as to who we are. I don't know whether I can because it's all in such small print. It's it's really hard to read because I scribbled that extra bit in. It's time to build with greater insight and commitment and in an understanding as to who we are and what we are building because it is of eternal value. And... (laughs) Why is it every time I start to think about something that's moved me, I can't stop crying? So I'll try again. Montgomery. Thank God for Montgomery. I tell you, we are all recipients now of the benefits of that man's faith and his courage. I mean, he went out into literally the, the battle zone. And he said, we will pray. There's some boldness. Well, they were probably so at the end of themselves anyway that you thought, well, we've tried everything else. It hasn't worked. But it changed the course of history. It, it changed life and death for people. You know, it was so massive an impact. And I just want to say to you today that what we do is equally as Think of a word that can go in that space. Exactly what I was going to say, and I thought, well, it's not quite English. But impactful. We'll have it. Impactful. Full of impact. Boom. 
And we don't have to necessarily build anything new, brand new. We can build on top of, because I don't want to diss our history, <laughs> okay? We have to build on top of what we already have. And we have an amazing history. <clears throat> I don't have time to review it now, but it's worth having that conversation. And the older folks amongst us who've been here a longer time, we need to do that. So that a book of remembrance can be written. Metaphorically, but I'm actually saying we need to put something down in black and white to say, actually, what is it that we had, that we received, that we are keepers of for the sake of next generations? We don't want to lose something that we came into. We want to carry it forward for future generations. And if you're up for that, you can come to our house and we will do that one evening or some particular time. We will talk through our history. I'm looking at people who were around, okay? It is vitally important. Church history shows how, where things were lost, it had to be regained. Somebody had to put the work in. Well, we, are we going to lose some stuff that we know? Uh-uh. Sorry, no. I'm not going to let it happen. We need to find out what these truths and revelations are so that the younger generation can come into we can pass the baton on and say, don't forget these truths. They're the principles of heaven. It's the restoring of the kingdom. This is part of the wall. Watch it. Guard it. Let's go back to maintenance or extension. If we want to see change, we need to change. You can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. It will involve alterations. That can mean moving out of our comfort zone. Moving the furniture, remodeling, bags of sand and cement, dust, having restrictions whilst the work is happening. We had to move out of our house recently when we had central, central heating put in. To build something more takes effort, disruption and change, but the results are worth it. Now, I don't have the whole picture of our future. You might be surprised to hear that. I hope you're not. <laughs> but I do believe I have a starting point, I should really say a point for continuance in our journey. And I believe one of the most significant keys is prayer. This was alluded to during the worship. I can't think who it was who said it. And Well, it was Monica, really. It was about prayer, wasn't it? Change the situation round. Now, we need a restoring of corporate prayer amongst us, not just as a one-off. We have to embrace prayer as lifestyle. I'm sure we all know the times when we've just run out of time and haven't got, given God time during the day and then the next day, and that you start to wither. You just, well, I'm just like everybody else, aren't I? I go to work, I come back, I sleep, I get up and go to work. And I'm no different unless I enter the secret place. Every revival stopped because people stopped praying. We cannot afford to not pray. And prayer isn't meant to be boring either. 
It might be tough on our own, yeah. But you know, God's listening. I've got a few stories, but I haven't got time. And we need to cover one another in prayer, especially those involved in worship, leading, preaching, evangelism, you name it. Those who step out need cover. That's a given. If you don't get cover, you get slammed. Uh, I presume most of you have heard of Ken and Gloria Copeland. Okay, they have a massive ministry, and I've got a huge amount of respect for them. Um, he's a man of his word, and he's a man of the word, and he sees results, and he's been through some stuff, I can tell you that. But do you know the first person on paid role for his ministry organization was an intercessor? They paid for somebody to pray eight hours a day for their ministry. That was the first paid employee of their organization. Now that's wisdom. Eight hours a day. That sounds a bit of an ass, doesn't it? I tell you, just as an aside, sorry about the time. I went to Iceland for a prayer, part of a prayer gathering, I suppose. I went on for six weeks. It was a number of years ago. And I just knew God was saying to go for the week. And there was a bunch of us went. I thought, are we going to be praying all day and the evening? Well, I'm going to go, God. All right. And I tell you, I came back so refreshed. And it was phenomenal. Their prophetic words, I tell you, we're talking nations. Oh, I, yeah. time doesn't allow to tell you an amazing story about Jordan and the King of Jordan. I don't know if anybody might remember that in this gathering, most phenomenal time. All right, I'll go there. Sorry, I have to. We were there praying. We, we uh, were praying for the nations around the Mediterranean, one being Jordan. And we had five minutes, literally five minutes to wait before the Lord about that nation. Have I ever thought about Jordan? No, not really, but now was my time. So we sit there. Different people have pictures. So we have five minutes of silence, quiet, just meditation. And then we would just share whatever God had said. Um, somebody saw, uh, well, we were given the context that the king of Jordan at the time, he was ill. He had cancer, but had many years of life with that diagnosis. He went to the States for a lot of treatment, da 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 One person had a picture. He's in a hammock, and there's cherry blossom falling on him. Somebody else had a picture. Oh no, it's a prophetic word saying the kingship will pass from the king to the son. Now that is not Arabic practice. It goes to the brother. The king's brother was a nasty piece. Probably still is. A number of months later, it was within the year, the king of Jordan, oh yeah, and the, the, the thing about the cherry blossom Somebody said, I believe that's prayers for the King of Jordan falling on him. He had a, an American wife, and so there was an influence of the gospel. Jordan was open. There was an open door. It's not totally closed. So anyway, we're praying, and we're saying, oh, God, you know, somebody had the boldness to say that the kingship is not going to pass to the brother. It will go to the son. It's like, wow, I wouldn't dare say anything like that. But anyway, what happens? Ten months later, the King of Jordan dies. What happens? The kingship passes to the son. Whoa, bring it on. That testimony was brought the week of that occurrence as an encouragement to us to participate in some event World Horizons was doing. 
and Alison Oxborough at the time mentioned that very story I've just told you, the power of prayer. What did we do? Sit down for five minutes and think about a nation. Wow, God spoke powerfully. We were able to pray into it, and obviously um, people were ongoingly praying because of the picture of the cherry blossom falling about prayer for that man. And that nation was shifted because people prayed. That very morning, the son of the Jordanian ambassador was sat in this congregation. That is phenomenal, isn't it? He heard this. He was not a believer. He just wanted to come and he came with his chaperone and sat in the meeting. He wanted to go to church that day. Prince Charles was meeting with his father that very week. This is phenomenal. We don't know the repercussions of what, how that story then got back to the ambassador, to Prince Charles, and on and on. I'm saying it because we are the governors of this universe, of the nations. Jesus said, ask of me for the nations and I will give it to you. And it's not a hard thing. We can do it. Oh. Can, I bear, can I go on just a little bit longer? Can you manage that? Prayer needs to be targeted. There is strategy in effective prayer, so we need to target things. We've had a word through Ben Cordy and through the leadership team when we were meeting that we need to stand in prayer for our young people. Okay? Take that away as a prayer point. We need to be covering them. Sophia, we're praying for you, that you'll grow up into all God has for you. Exciting, isn't it? Yeah? Society wants to gobble them up, but we won't have it. We will take a stand in prayer, and we'll stand in the gap over each one's destiny. And we also need inspiration and a plan for how we can integrate them into our times together. So if you're up for that, if that's something on your heart, tell me, and we can link in together with people who have that that anointing. Now in all of this, we have to recognize our complete dependency on him. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We, we can't do this, can we? But with the Holy Spirit, we have the power. Acts four thirteen. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized they'd been with Jesus. Hey, time with our Heavenly Father, time with Jesus, reading the Word, praying, having a quiet time or a noisy time. Whatever it is, we need that time with our Heavenly Portal come under power from on high recharge and how's all this going to happen let's look at acts 242 very familiar verse and they continued steadfastly steadfastly in the apostles teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers and i want to pull out that word continued steadfastly other versions say devoted themselves to and devotion, you can't manufacture, can you? It springs up. It's love, isn't it? I'm devoted. I, I want to do this. It's not I should or I suppose or if you insist. 
No, it springs from our first love. And continued steadfastly means to be earnest towards. That is, won't give up. To persevere, to be constantly diligent, to attend assiduously to all the exercises taken from the Strong's Concordance, to adhere closely to as if serving a person. And the first part of it is a directional prep preposition, forward motion towards. We're moving. We're going somewhere, aren't we, John? We're going somewhere. Yeah. And a phrase that you can try to memorize, I heard recently, which is from heaven, in consistency lies the power. It's true. Keep knocking and the door will open. Keep hammering and the Golden Gate Bridge will collapse. Because if you hit it a certain frequency and keep hitting, the vibrations will get stronger and stronger and stronger and it will collapse. Simply by hitting it. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, lastly, I'm just going to draw together the three prophetic things which have kind of emphasized these, what I brought to you today for me. The first one is that I've been replacing gates around our property. Okay? Makes it sound like it's really grand, doesn't it? How many gates have you got? How many entrances? I've only got three. It's all right. But I, it dawned on me, I thought, my goodness, Lord, you're speaking. This is prophetic. I wasn't making new, new gateways. It was old gates needed replacing. I believe that's a word to us as a body. The gate in Scripture speaks of the place of authority. It's where the elders sat. It's where contracts were entered into. It's where the legal stuff was done. And for the Christian, it talks about the place of exercising authority. And where do we exercise authority? In prayer. It's time that we look again. And putting those gates up was fairly hard work, I have to say. And I asked for help. Nobody here, it was all right. But I was let down. I had to do it myself. Sometimes there's a cost, isn't there? You think, wow, we can do this together. And sometimes you might be doing it on your own. But we have one another and we need to recognize that and support each other in it. And there's more in those analogies about gates. I haven't really the time to go into uh, and the other thing was a picture I had of us as a fellowship just all being lifted up all at once, all together, no stragglers, no laggers behind. We all went whoosh, up a huge step. It was like three times the height of any of us. And we just went, so I do it again? It's good, isn't it? All together. And lastly, it was about the winds of heaven. And I really believe that God is saying, get into the gentle breezes. Start to open and unfold the sail towards the breezes of heaven. Gentle breezes because at the moment we cannot hand, handle the power of force that God could out, you know, unleash amongst us. 
it'll capsize the dinghy. But as we catch the wind, you start to take the strain and you can move and get into the stronger wind. I hope that makes sense to you. It's all pointing for me this morning about our lifestyle of prayer. And I haven't mentioned about prayer triplets, but that's something else which is a key effective tool. And if you want to know more, if you want to be part of a prayer triplet, talk to me and I'm sure we can organize something. This is about evangelism. I'm going to stop there because you've been very patient. I'm just going to pray on our behalf. And if anybody wants to come and do something else. Father, I'm standing on behalf of us as a congregation. We thank you that the whole of heaven is cheering us on, saying, yes, you can do it. Yes, you can do it. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to please encourage each one of us at each of the the points of our life where we can extend and we can grow and we can nurture the life that you've put within us, that hope in us, so that individually we can be that piece of the jigsaw and fit together corporately as the body you have planned us to be in for the sake of your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Stu. There's so much in that. Um, Yeah. There's going to be a family conference in a number of weeks. uh, And when we get that date firmed up, we'll send it out to you. And my... um, I implore you to, to make that a real kind of priority in your schedule. We have, we'll have a number of things to share about our future, about the direction, about where we're possibly going to be going as, as, a, as, a, as a family. Um, if This is a bit cryptic, by the way. It's, <laughs> Stu failed to mention the title of his talk. And it, it is, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. The, the church, through Jesus, um, is God's plan A. And, and we're the church. Uh, and where is plan A? There is no plan B. And um, as City Church leads, we are plan A. Um, he birthed us in 1981 out of Bradford. And one of our initial kind of words given to us as a church, and for those of you who weren't around then, this might be news to you, that we were to be an Antioch church. We were to be a church that, that sent people out from amongst ourselves. But what was really important, and thing you've got to remember about Antioch, is it was one of the first places where Christians were called Christians. And it was a place that had very strong foundations in that. Very strong foundations. So before they sent, they were firm and they were secure. And that's where we're heading. We're heading for a place where we're firming up our foundations. We're making them firm so that once again we can send out. Because if you send out from nothing, you'll send nothing and you'll end up with nothing. And and before we can send out effectively, with purpose and with vision, we need to shore up our foundations. And so our future, our next step, is about shoring up those foundations, making them firm. Not replacing them with other foundations, but, you know, shoring up what we've already got. And the second major thing we had as a church was that we were to be a church of intercessors. That prayer was going to be one of our core values. And uh, we've somewhat wandered away from that. 
as a church of intercessors. So part of our future and part of that firming up of the foundations is to recognize that we are a, to be a prayerful church. And that, I guess it was the third thing as well, and that was that we are to pioneer. So as we firm up those foundations, it was always to pioneer. And I don't know about you, one of you the first to do something, it, it's the one where you make mistakes. It's the one where you get things wrong. You have to come back a little bit before you go forward again. Unfortunately, we're that church, um, and we are to pioneer. But that's exciting as well, because when you get something right, others follow. And I think that's really exciting. So there's, we, we've got so much going for us. It's, it's unbelievable. We've been through thick and thin over the last 30-odd years. But we're still together as a family. We ain't going anywhere. God's got something amazing for us just around the corner. Amen. Amen. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say, I'm sorry. We give second chances to anyone. We also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. And we give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we are